We just live right now, man. It's going down, excited for the season. You know, we coming off a playoff win. I mean, you know, we had a couple wins. <laughs> Suck it, Toronto. To think that, that a season is championship or championship is, is um, certainly the way we've approached it. To the Miami Heat fans, it was, uh, you're despicable people, and I hope I never hear from you again. Milwaukee, we dogs! James Harden is a massive choker, and he is a bum. Bum. Finals MVP, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Bogdan Bogdanovich. Karma. Karma, bitch. Chris, you did it, huh? Hello and welcome to the Brew Hoop Podcast, episode 132. I'm Adam Paris, co-managing editor of BrewHoop.com, here to put a coda, uh, a period, uh, a closing note on the Milwaukee Bucks season with Riley Feldman and Kyle Carr. Fellas, how are we doing? We're doing good. I, I know the listeners at home are waiting for a volleyball update, and th- there's two updates here. One, uh, after the Bucks lost... You know, obviously heartbreaking. We'll discuss that. I went out there and I took all the anger from that. And I went and I was like the fifth best player on a team of eight on my team, which I thought was really great. But because I celebrated to Kyle, Kyle and Adam in our little chat, I think I might have broken my ankle today out running. So uh, I can't. Something tells me my volleyball season might be over. Uh, I will see the doctor tomorrow to know for sure. But uh, the Bucks giveth, the Bucks taketh. Uh, that that serves me right for tempting that. So, but I'm good. Yeah, at this. It's, it's been a couple days. Um, I did not realize how checked out I was the second you know it got to the fourth quarter. I was checked out for the season. I was checked out of this team. I was checked out of the NBA. It was like, all right, well that's over. Let's focus on soccer and F one. Let's let's do that. It, it's time to pivot. But otherwise, yeah, everything's fine. It it is weird. Uh, it is a weird feeling because we've spent the last almost year basically on a high and celebrating and not giving a shit about anyone else. And now it's like, oh, we lost. We're kind of losers now. This sucks. It's it's extra weird because <laughs> the last time we recorded, we were up 2-1. And then the <laughs> schedule was like every other night. So <laughs> the series <laughs> went high-low and then low-low uh, all while we were away to record. So it's going to be quite the interesting gap between episode 131 <laughs> and 132 in terms of mood for the podcast. So I'm also laughing because initially we were like, yeah, if they win, we'll just do it Sunday night. It'll be, and we were going to probably have a casual, like, this is a good series win. We can beat Miami. It's fine. And then it was like, if they lose, we'll record Monday. And then I was like, do we really need to talk about this game? Nope. Nope. Screw it. We're just going to take a couple days off. We are in off-season mode at its finest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, that, was, that was my big takeaway, too, is as soon as the game was done, I felt this is disgusting about my sort of personal taste and what I'm investing my time into. I felt such a relief wash over me there's just been there's been so much basketball like if you think the bubble started that sucked and i kind of checked out after the bucks lost but then the season started right away the bucks played forever it was worth it because they got the championship but then after the championship you kind of don't want to stop thinking about the bucks because they won and it's the greatest you know one of the best feelings as a sports fan ever and then they play for seven more months of basketball that's kind of hard to watch but you get through it hoping they can make it again and then all of a sudden they lose and I felt 
Oh, that's right. I don't have to care about basketball for several months. That sounds really, really nice. It's sort of like uh, an exam that you've been dreading for a long, long time. And like you try to prepare, but you kind of had difficulty preparing. And you go in and like you do the exam and you know you just bombed. Like nothing, you're going to come out of there. It's going to be an F, 100%. But there's still a weight off your shoulders because at least that F is out of the way. So in, in a way, this was <laughs> us getting our F out of the way. And now we're on summer break. GPA is not going to look great, but hey, it's done with. So uh, that's a very similar feeling. Yeah. This is basically my accounting class. I just knew like, you know what? <laughs> I just need to get out of here and I never have to take accounting again in my life. And we're, it's it's done. It's over. I definitely failed that exam. I didn't study. I was out drinking the night before and that's okay. Kyle, Kyle walked through the doors and he just kept walking. He didn't even, he just kept walking home. He walked all the way back to Waukesha. He's like, I'm just going to keep walking. <laughs> yeah, major major respect to anyone who is a Bucks fan who, as soon as they lost, flipped into how can we trade these people? Hopped on the trade machine, started scouting potential people in the draft. Just if you have that type of energy after the basketball run we just went on, major salute to you. I I, I didn't have it. I'm I'm checking out for now. I, I could care less about who they draft. Just tell me they use that first <laughs> round pick, and I'll be like, cool, good enough. Just don't trade that damn pick. Yeah, we're, we're putting ever more pressure on Mitchell to essentially carry the site through the early offseason if three <laughs> staff members like, I don't really care. We're not going to post anything. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's... You'll get this morsel of content, at least. You get a little bit of this. Yeah, that's true. I, th- I do think we might have to boycott doing any draft talk because we've done it. I think we've done it the last three years or however many years. And Did every we even year... do it last year? We didn't do that's... any talk, we... draft talk into the draft. We talked about the draft picks. Oh, okay. That makes me feel better. But we and I don't think we did any prep because we were all like, there's no way they're going to keep any pick. So let's just not bother. Because yeah. of, I think that was also because of the stupid trade that Woj effed up. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, anyway. So we'll, we'll still be recording podcasts in the offseason. And, uh, you know, against my better judgment, I'll probably end up having to do some draft stuff on Brew I would actually... If you're listening, Box, I would love to continue content throughout the entire offseason as well. Keep the keep the site. I will gladly send a few tweets as well, Vox. Like, do not worry. (laughs) I will post some tweets. It will most likely just be insulting someone. You'll just keep retweeting quota. You'll keep retweeting the Keith Smith Smith tweet. Like that'll just be your content. (laughs) Once a week. Uh, It's happy Monday. Here's the You know, th- I mean, yeah. there that there was some stuff to take away. Obviously, the Milwaukee Bucks. If you if you didn't know yet, they lost the series to the Boston Celtics, four um, three. Game seven was a bit of a laugher. The first half was kind of close. Giannis had a good first quarter, and then from there, it just got really ugly. Bucks couldn't make any shots. Grant Williams took eighteen three point attempts and made a ton of them. Man, if Horst had traded. Freaking Dante for <laughs> Schroeder and Grant Williams. I mean, holy crap. I hate the guy, but man, I would have loved the guy. <laughs> Kyle, Kyle did his best to go back in history and speak it back <laughs> into existence. But <laughs> and really, I mean, it would it would have been an awesome trade, given the fact that both he would have played probably extremely well for us and Boston would be down a player. Uh, yeah, it's a real shame that <laughs> we couldn't swindle uh, Brad Stevens for that. You know, th- this is where I say, hey, you got to appreciate John Horst's attempt. Like, he he tried. You can't blame John Horst. Like, he did try his best. 
Uh, Kyle, looking back on it now, would you have rather your initial idea that you thought we were trading for Robin or Robert Williams or Grant Williams? <laughs> the way things turned out. <laughs> Which, I still would have taken Robert Williams. I did get yeah, that wrong. I think it's the wrong Williams, but I would have taken Robert. Well, in uh, either case, it would have been a good trade, apparently. So it, it would have been perfectly fine. Yeah. Because so, one of the things I know the Bucks need, Robert Williams would have ticked that box. Uh, okay. So the Bucks lost this series. I guess coming out of it personally, I really didn't feel all that frustrated. I was happy that we made it a series. I went into the playoffs kind of thinking, I just don't want to be embarrassed by any team. No matter what, I'm going to be pretty content with the outcome. Giannis was awesome throughout, nearly carried the team to a win. If you look at the reason they lost, it's namely that their offense just completely sputtered out. Yep, sucked a lot. They couldn't make a three in the series. They were 28% from three. I would say just as bad. They didn't shoot threes. They were at like they shot twenty nine attempts per game in the regular season. I think they were at thirty eight or something. Uh, I it, it was it was bad. The offense they couldn't figure it out. The Celtics did a great job of running Bobby Portis and Grayson Allen off the line. Pat Connaughton, I would say, was the only other competent offensive player in the series, and he went zero for five or zero for six in Game Seven. It, it, we're not going to talk about that game, but. Just it was a it, it was a frustrating offensive series, Kyle. Overall, yeah, it it really highlighted uh, my biggest concern, which was if the offense can't go, you need a guy that's just gonna hit shots. It might be ugly. It might require a lot of ISO, but not having Chris took out that option of okay, do something, just try and get a basket. You're the go-to guy. And I thought Bobby Portis would kind of fill that role and be that X factor for it. Unfortunately, he couldn't get his shots to fall as well. So it it was rough just because you can tell, like when Giannis was driving the paint, he got to the point in game seven, and I'm just going to reference it. Giannis was just going, and he was like, all right, screw it. I'm just going to try and go up, when, even though there's like four guys around me because no one else on this team can hit a three. So I'm better off trying to hopefully get a foul call. Maybe I'll get the layup in. Like it's There's a higher chance of that than one of these four morons hitting a three. So I think that was a big part of it. And then the other part was there was just the half-court offense was just garbage. And part of that is because they couldn't hit threes, but there was no ball movement. There was no cutting. There was It was just a – everyone's just kind of standing around and someone hopefully sets a screen and – you go from there and that's not going to cut it when the Celtics defense was that good. And you know, the times that the bucks were on a roll, they were moving the ball. They were going out, they were taking fast break opportunities. They were going at, you know, Boston in the paint and none of that happened. And I mean, I kept saying, give Brooke Lopez the damn ball and game seven first half. Yeah, they were doing that. It was going fine. And then they abandoned it. So it was just the half court offense was brutal to watch. And part of that was no Chris part of that's not hitting shots. But the other part is they need another playmaker out there to facilitate the offense or at the very least tell people what the hell to do. Yeah, they sucked. Um, <laughs> it just, I mean, honestly, I mean, it's this fine balance between was it Boston's defense or offense? Obviously it's somewhere in the middle, but Thoroughly unimpressed by everybody, pretty much not named Giannis. Drew sucked for the most part, uh, so he couldn't really set the table. Brooke was as like non-impactful as you can get for being a guy who's near 300 pounds. I mean, the game six, game seven, game six especially, they did like a couple of post-ups for him, and I just get tired of watching him do like 
two steps laterally to the basket and try to hook shot it over like Peyton Pritchard. I'm like, well, you know, we could probably make a better decision than that. Right, Brooke? I think I could. And obviously he just, I think almost throughout the playoffs, he wasn't a three point threat that just never kind of materialized. So there's that Bobby, the windup takes way too long that, and he could not get any of his jumpers to fall. That's a disappointment. Wes, in theory, a guy who can get up a shot, but he decided to make sure that he was going to be the hero for some reason. And universally, I think every single time he <laughs> pumped fake and drove, I was like, I hate this. And everybody in the chat was like, this is stupid. I can't believe what he's doing. I'm like, you I don't get even bubble. Can't. It's It's bubble. It's just, I just literally get bubble flashbacks. Like, oh no. my God. Ugh. I can't, it, it's, it's just very bewildering that the only guy who could get a shot up was Pat Connerton. Like you said, he wasn't making them, which is, you know, I mean, there was bound to be a cold streak for him. He kind of wasn't the same guy he was earlier in the season after the injury. So like, you know, that's understandable, but Grayson Allen, who we're going to start paying $10 million. Like they try to free him up a couple of times to start the game. He doesn't make any, and then he becomes a total defensive liability. So Giannis is the only guy to me who was really redeemable. Drew was okay defensively, um, but quite clearly not the playmaker or kind of like the same sort of setup guy. And I even wonder if Chris is out there. I mean, yes, he would more reliably generate offense out of um, tough shots, but he was doing a really bad job facilitating in the couple of games against the Bulls or even to close the season. Like, you just turn it over a bunch. And so if you go into the cauldron that is the Boston defense, and again, it's like no off-ball movement at all, you know, is that going to be enough to fix it? Maybe. Maybe it is, but... Um, pretty much everybody was a disappointment. Uh, Giannis was good, but he was not able to take it up to the next level to make things happen for others in the way that he might have previously. Maybe that's just simply a function of not having Chris out there to help draw the defense off a little bit and make it a little bit easier for him. Well, even with game one, it was like Giannis shooting-wise and like layup-wise wasn't getting it, but because he was able to get passes out and guys were hitting shots, it was like, okay, that's fine. And you saw, And we saw that in game six. It was kind of like, okay... Giannis is just going to score everything. He's in closeout mode. I'm feeling good. And then game seven was kind of in the first half. It was like, okay, Giannis is still getting baskets, but he's also dishing it out. I think he had like seven assists in the first half. Uh, and so it's kind of more of a, I don't know what more Giannis could have done because he was doing everything he needed to. Like you said, Riley Drew offensively was bad. Most of the time he was good enough defensively. West bad offensively good enough. It, it was all the offense. Like you can look at the defense and say, yeah, there were games that definitely didn't help, like Game 7 or Game 2, but overall, I, I think Milwaukee did enough most of the time defensively to keep themselves in the game, and I think with Chris, it probably would have had at least one more person taking those shots instead of you know trying to force-feed Grayson out to get him in a rhythm or trying to force-feed Bobby to get him in a rhythm. It would have got, Those shots would have just gone to Chris, and maybe Wes wouldn't have tried dribbling. Maybe. I don't know. No, he he loved doing that when he was at the bubble too. So that's, yeah, that's, that's just part of his. There's a reason why he got benched in the bubble at a certain point. He just I don't know what it is in the playoffs. Do you guys feel like on some level? So you know, obviously the Bucks get it three two game six at home. Do you guys feel there was some level of a coaching failure that led to them dropping two straight, or was it most of the principles were right? It's just the execution wasn't there. Like. You know, I, I think there is a level of responsibility Bud has, but I'm not sure how much to put it on whatever he was calling in the timeouts and stuff. Uh, I, 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 if I, if if I were to think about why they lost this year, 
I would place a lot more blame on the front office. Um, I don't really think, I mean, look, the the biggest thing that everyone was mad about with Bud this series is that he didn't play Javon Carter. That's a huge improvement over basically what it was. Like I, he almost every game featured like adjustments that two years ago we would have been hooting and hollering, you know, laying flowers at this guy's feet. He went to switching. He tried different schemes. I, I, I think if there's any blame that lays in it, it's the sort of lack of a half court offense, which we've kind of, which they rode to a championship last year. We talked about this a little bit in our chat after the, after they lost. I think there's, I think there's a little bit of room for a bit more off ball action potentially. But the problem with that is it just makes it so it makes it a little bit harder for Giannis who is kind of driving as much as he makes really cool passes. He kind of drives with blinders on. And the reason he's able to do that and then still make a good pass is because people are in specific spots. If you're running off ball stuff, that, that stuff's going to be probably, he's probably going to throw a few more balls out of bounds. So I, I just don't know how much there was that Bud could really do. I mean, he's missing, you know, probably 43 minutes a game in this series, realistically of a three and D wing, who's your best on ball pick and roll player unlocks Giannis the best as a, yeah, as an off-ball screener, which was your bread and butter to create offense last year. Like, I, I'm just, I'm not sure there's much more that Bud could have done. So I'm, I'm not really coming out of this series all that disappointed in him. He deserves some blame because I, yes, Javon Carter, would Javon Carter made that much of a difference? Probably not. But was it clear that George Hill and Grayson Allen were not it and they continue trying to make it work? Was that on Bud? Yes. I think game four was more of a Bud problem than a team problem because you have that 10-point lead going into the fourth quarter and then he immediately disappears. That I feel like part of that has to be on coaching. And whether that's you know trying to schematically whatever you're doing, thinking it's going to ride out, maybe riding out the run a little bit too long. Just something, It just felt as though game four was the one game that I kind of looked and I was like, okay, that's on Bud. Like that one, I put more on Bud than anything else. But yeah, I mean, there are minor things. Bud wasn't the one missing all the shots. Bud wasn't the one that, and again, could he have made the adjustments to guard Al Horford? Yeah, that would have been nice, but maybe that was just going to be a game Al Horford wasn't going to miss. Game six, not much you can do when Jason Tatum is hitting all those shots. Like they tried putting Drew on him. They tried putting Wes on him. They tried switching. Tatum was just hitting shots and that's going to happen. Game seven, yeah, maybe don't let Grant Williams take 18 threes, but at the same time, a lot of those threes were because the Celtics were moving the ball and they would be able to drive and it was collapsing and the ball just keep moving. Like, Bud deserves some blame, but if I had to power rank the reasons why the Bucks lost the series, I wouldn't put Bud in the top three. He'd maybe be like fifth at best, fourth or fifth at best. And I don't even know if I, I could probably think of something else later on that I would put ahead of Bud. I think not using Jordan Wara was a fireable offense. Just kidding. <laughs> um, we need a Luca. Not, That's the issue. Yeah. Yeah. We need, we need like a superstar. We need like another superstar. Uh, yeah. I mean, like you guys said, it's, it's probably not really on him. I think I would have maybe at least tried Javon Carter. I mean, I'm not asking, you know, I'm not expecting the world, but I was just kind of tired of watching George Hill this year. So when he came back and he looked bad, I was like, well, we probably don't need more George Hill minutes. Right. And then people were like, 
oh well they'll, they'll hunt Javon I'm like well we're running Grayson Allen are they yeah, that was, that was kind of my be... thing it's like what more hunting could they have done to Javon Carter that they weren't doing to Grayson Allen <laughs> And maybe something like the game one defense where he had a role to play, Javon Carter, that is, had a role to play of doing like a full court defensive pressure to try and keep their ball handlers. I mean, that's probably something that's not going to be able to keep up over the course of a series. But like, you know, there were some flashes where he wasn't an awful player. So, but, you know, that's whatever. That's Once you start getting to the eighth, ninth man to be like, here's how we're going <laughs> to save the season. Uh, it's, you know, then there's just kind of, talking in circles there's no real need for it so I, I think ultimately we'll look back and say it comes down a lot to not having chris middleton drives home the importance of chris middleton to a certain extent uh and then uh second not like bench players and then drew just has to play better drew was really a catastrophe for uh, uh and, in terms of and scoring boston like is good boston and, is a and, good team <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. This isn't like losing to Chicago Bulls. Like, this was a legitimate good team. Yeah, that they pushed to seven without their second best offensive player by far. I, and you can you can say everything you want about Drew's defense. I love it. But in the end, offense is frankly more, in general, more important for a player to have. And Chris would have brought that. And this was a this is a particular series where you needed a guy, like Kyle said, that could get you out of garbage possessions. That, that That's what the Celtics offense forces you into. And they were missing their best guy at that. Well, I, and I mean, we were saying the Bucks probably can't win a title without Brooke Lopez. Yeah, I mean, we were saying that all season. So the fact that they were missing Chris, it was kind of like, well, we probably should have expected this. They're top heavy. It's 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 an issue with roster construction when you have three guys who are making that much. I I look forward to being their courtside banner night when we unveil the banner. Took the Celtics to seven. In the Eastern <laughs> Conference semifinals, I look forward to, and I hope to see all of you guys there as well. I think it's a big accomplishment. Do you guys want to? Talk, does, do you guys want to talk about Grayson Allen at all? I, 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 he sucked. That's what. That's the I, discussion. He was bad. Did you I, have? Did you have something, Adam or Kyle? Yeah. I mean, it was not a good series for him. It kind of reminded me of Bryn Forbes. I was kind of a, yeah, you just don't have it the series. But the issue is. Grayson Allen was more or less your sixth man or fifth starter, while Bryn Forbes was like your seventh, eighth guy. So it was a lot easier when Bryn Forbes didn't have it. You could bench him because you had other guys that, especially Pat Connaughton, that could take those minutes. The issue was there was no other guard that if Grayson Allen struggled unless you play Pat Connaughton 35, 40 minutes, which I don't think that's the best use of him. You're kind of SOL. So, I mean, this was what, most had feared when it came to the defensive side, you know, he's a bigger defender, so he's not necessarily going to get bodied as much, but trying to keep up and trying to stay with guys, as we saw it, if his, if he was at least hitting shots, I think we would have been less upset with him. But the fact that he couldn't even hit a shot to save his life really just highlighted. Okay. I, this is, I don't know why you keep playing him. I don't know why he like props to him in game seven. He at least tried. You know, he got a couple, he drew a couple <laughs> fouls. Good on him. Like, I'll give him that. But it, it was a rough series for him, just plain and simple. And I mean, now he's going to be paid ten million. I'm sure we'll try to do one more year with him. And in worst case, you can either you have an expiring contact contract that you can use as trade bait, or you just right again. You just see what happens next year. Like that's it's at least enough of a piece where you might be able to talk a team into it. His defense was obviously really bad, but on a certain level, I you know 
you can't really blame him because he's just inadequate, like build or athleticism. And the Celtics are just hunting him. It was, <laughs> I mean, really frustrating. That I was like, oh, and now they got the switch. And here comes Jason Tatum with a head full of steam at Grayson Allen. And to be fair to Grayson, like the design shot templates for him, they all like looked like good looks. Sometimes they just don't go in. That's really frustrating, but that's par for the course for most buck shooters. He was one of the few guys who all season long could adequately drive a little bit to the rim. So in an offense like ours, where it's literally so many times we got lulled into the, I'm going to do the hero thing. Cause the, the Celtics would give up a switch easy enough be like, okay, we'll switch out Horford onto drew holiday. And then drew holiday would me be like, now it's my time to do something with this. And then it would never work because the rest of the defense would just collapse in on him or whatever. Grayson Allen, because they're, not expecting that as much or they're not keying in it. At least he did something different. So I, I appreciate that. But yes, he was he was really bad on both sides of the ball. Yeah, he was bad. I, I the last point was the main one that I wanted to make, which was when you're looking at the the team, Bud was so starved for anyone who could do just Anything. one other thing. Or like give yeah. give Drew or Giannis one possession off. Grayson was really the only guy, maybe Pat sometimes, but normally the thing with Pat is most of the time you have to set it up off a dribble handoff. Grayson's like the only guy who could kind of just go off his own dribble and maybe get it to the rim. So that was really the, you know, he had no real redeeming qualities this series because he just couldn't make a shot, which, which stunk. But I, I understood the theory of why he was still playing. And also there weren't many other alternatives at all. yeah there was that's where it's tough for me because it's like yeah great sound sucked and we probably should have benched him and then it's like well who are you playing and that's and i got to the point where i was like just throw war out there at the very least if, <laughs> if we're gonna have someone terrible getting cooked on defense we might as well see if that person can hit a shot i can't get there <laughs> honestly I, I was there, I was there. <laughs> I, honestly i'm not sure if there would be anything more frustrating than game seven jordan war being like okay coach shows coach believes in me <laughs> It would have been a master cl- a master disaster class and what it is to be a guy deep in the bench who gets minutes uh, and then decides this is my moment. And maybe Again, it would have been we so were, crazy we that it would have bottom worked. of the barrel for someone to hit shots. And you know what? Let's go with the guy that at least isn't afraid. <laughs> uh, well, what about – okay, so I was curious. I couldn't remember. So George Hill has $4 million guaranteed for next year. Um, I was kind of hoping we're, that was not, not all- guaranteed. We're all hoping he retires. Yes, that's exactly right. <laughs> ah, that could, yeah, that could be. Um, I'd love it. He had if a bad, I see had... that tomorrow, and then he, re- if I see a tweet, somebody share a tweet that George Hill retired tomorrow, I would stand tall, salute him for five seconds, and say, "Good riddance." It's been a good run, but you and Wes, what was the common factor between the bubble run and this run, guys? <laughs> Wes Matthews and George Hill—they're back again, and we <laughs> we fall short yet again. And they both have a role to play in that as well. Okay, so I, let's talk about that just a little bit. Last offseason, not last offseason, the offseason prior or whatever, okay. Horst goes out, he signs Bobby Portis. I think he re-signs Pat Connaughton then. So we get Pat Connaughton and we get Bobby Portis back. Goes, I would say, a little bit younger. Doesn't doesn't do all the sort of vet men stuff that we watched in the bubble kind of peter out. Eventually gets, you know, Jeff Teague or whatever, but goes a little younger. I would say he tried the same strategy this year, tried to do sort of mid-career guys, possible reclamation projects, right? Reclamation and, project is doing a lot of service yes, for those yes. two. But like if you squint really hard, right? Take off your glasses, squint crazy hard. 
you could kind of see the faint outlines of what he tried to do the season yeah. prior, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, but then they, but then it wound up that that did not work out at all, and you needed to fall back on the bubble strategy of really old dudes, and that is what I kind of felt watching the team in the playoffs again. Is like these guys are really freaking old that they're relying on. Grayson Allen's the one guy who's a little younger, but I, that's just how I felt as seeing some of the old. It's the old stuff out there just it, that gave me the bubble flashbacks a little bit. Well, for me, it was just more like they, yeah, they tried with Roddy Hood and Shemi Ojale, and if Shemi Ojale had literally just done what we want, what Wes Matthews had done, we would have been fine with it. It would have been frustrating, <laughs> but at the very least, that would have been fine. That's all we wanted Shemi Ojale for, and he couldn't even do that, so that sucked. And then Roddy Hood, I mean, that was a gamble in itself. You were, I don't know. Yeah, it was rough. So the fact that – and the thing is, it's not like Wes Matthews played bad, and that's the sad part. Like, he was – I would say overall, I looked at Wes Matthews and be like, y- you did what you needed to, and I have no complaints with how you played. And that's kind of more of a damning statement for the rest of the Bucks roster than it is necessarily for Wes Matthews because it, it probably speaks more to how bad Drew was, how bad Grace was, how bad Bobby was. Like, it talks about how bad the other guys were that you look at Wes Matthews. Like, he was arguably third or fourth best buck in the series, and that's very concerning. It makes sense. So any game that Jason Tatum had a bad game, I don't chalk up exclusively to Wes Matthews, but a lot of it goes to Wes Matthews because he did an excellent job of, like, there's not going to be any sort of easy dribble penetration, nothing like that. And when you're, how old is he? 30, what, like 33, 34, 35, let me check. 35. Um, so, but I mean, okay, going back to the, this is the guys we had to fall back on. Uh, wings are like going to get tested more than almost than anybody else, especially in our defense for when you're playing wing dominant other teams, which a lot of teams are, uh, your wings are going to expend a lot of, energy defending and it's i guess it should be no shock that west matthews didn't have anything to like give us an offense because he's given it his all and he did like for the most part enough games he did his job like you know i should i'm not gonna bag on west outside of the dribble thing uh too much but like yeah, it just 35. makes sense. 35 35 so and that's uh, also including the achilles injury that he had yes. in his career. Mm. So I, I think he played as well as he could, but yes. Um, I mean, you go, once you get rid of Shemi and Rodney, uh, which neither of them would have brought anything this series anyhow, unless you guys think they would, huh? Any takers on that? Shemi change in the series? Anyone want to take that alternative universe? No. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> he was one of the worst players we've ever seen in a box but it, it just makes conceptual sense that yes, the the idea of what they were trying to do last offseason, we talked about it in the middle of the season, like oh, it made sense what they were trying to do. But then when it didn't, and once Chris is gone, you're, you have thirty five, thirty six year old guys as like your main defenders. It's just not going to work against a young, like athletic team like the Celtics. Yeah, and I, I don't want to. Once again, I I feel pretty content with what happened this season, and there was no Chris Middleton, and I, that is the primary reason they lost the series in my eyes. And then there's probably then there's I would say a fairly large gap, and then um, some other reasons. But there are I it it does seem pretty clear though that the front office decisions just didn't work as well this year, right? No, P, don't bring PJ Tucker back. I'm not someone who thinks that that would have necessarily change the series since offense it wouldn't was such a it wouldn't issue. have let's just get that all the way now it okay there have. we go thank you so you don't bring him back instead you sign semi shemi and rodney hood neither of those players work out 
you trade the 31st pick, which who knows whether that player would have been that good. There were very few players drafted in the second round who were all that good. You would have had to like hit someone like maybe Herb Jones. So you would have had to have shoot shoot fish in a barrel, and maybe you get the one guy who can impact winning as a rookie. So you know, you, you trade that pick for future picks. You get two guys who aren't going to contribute. One guy who is shouldn't have been drafted at 60. You pick up George Hill for a backup ball handler. It was fine, but clearly hurt. He's old. You know, there were going to be issues there. You trade for Grayson Allen. I would say all in all, that ends up probably being the best move that he made. Helps you win the Bulls series in the first round. Gets you some guy who's slightly younger. But then midseason, you trade Dante for Surge. That trade doesn't really work. I still kind of, I get it in theory. You pick up a few more assets, which for a team that is so asset strapped, that can be somewhat helpful. But just overall, most of the moves that Horst made this year just didn't work out. And when you when you don't have many moves at all, or even like one move that hits all that well, besides maybe Grayson, uh, you're going to have a real hard time when you're missing one of your top players too, and your team is top heavy. So that, yeah, not and a I great year. That- I think that also shows how thin the margins are when you have this kind of roster construction that limits you to you pretty much have to get these guys on low contracts because you have Chris, you have Giannis, you have Drew, you have Brooke. They were already locked in. You make the Bobby signing, which, all right, that helped. You had Pat Connaughton. Now you're going into this offseason. What is, depending on which, I mean, I would expect Bobby and Pat both to opt out. What are you going to do with them? Are you going to pay both of them and just eat more of the luxury tax? Do that. Um, are you going to do that? Are you going to let one walk? Are you going to try and decide, you know what? Thanks, Pat. We appreciate what you've done, but we, we're we going to have to just get another kind of guard that can do what you did, and hopefully it's at a cheaper price. Or thanks, Bobby. We appreciate everything you did, but we need to add, like we can use your salary to bring in two or three guys that can bring the same offensive, like, what is he going to do there? Because he's also going to have George Hill, and I doubt he's going to trade that again. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like there's just going to be a lot of optics with that. So maybe he won't trade George Hill again. So now that's another $4 million. You have Grayson now that's $10 million. You have Brooke in his final year. Are you going to trade Brooke? Like, are you going to make a big shakeup? So I think that's where the he's going to have to nail it again. He's going to have to be... He's going to have to hit, whether it's the draft, whether it's bringing in guys for cheap. He's going to have to get those right, because if he doesn't, then we see what happens this year. You send out Shemi and Roddy Hood just so you can get off of that. And you have to, yes, you get draft picks, which is fine, but you kind of punt on that. You sell low on Dante. You sell, you you kind of don't really take advantage. Of, you call up guys for two ways and G leagues to play impactful minutes in the regular season, which... It's just not pretty. So I don't know what he's going to do, but yeah, they'll have to do something. I I think the good thing is though, with a with a roster like this, like frankly, they weren't that far away from beating the Celtics. If you have Chris, you probably you maybe beat the Celtics, and you maybe are going to like the finals again, right? So you you need to. I I would say it would be a little bit of malpractice to not bring back Pat and Bobby, given they have bird rights on them. So that I think that, that would worked be, la- that worked well last year. Yeah. Okay. You're right. That, but it would be it would be fairly criminal in my eyes, given your inability to pick, get other you know good contracts. So really, I think he needs to hit on maybe one player. Like you got you got to get one other guy to shore up some of this this depth. And if you can hit on just one other guy, you're in pretty good shape. So it, it's it seems like not a good year, and I just kind of laid it all out. But he's 
he has enough talent at the top and it's there's there's no super team really in the league. The Bucks are probably one of the best teams, should be maybe championship favorites next year. So he just needs to get maybe one good good hit, maybe just a double. I, I would say a double would do wonders for this team. I think people have every right to be disappointed with the way things ended out ended up working out because we were right there in game six. We we had the opportunity and they just didn't close it. But don't let that cloud the reality that for the most part, like you're saying, Adam, we have most of the pieces already in place so to make a pretty quick rebound. Like uh, you have Chris Drew Giannis as long as you have those three uh, and they're not injured, you're going to be in a pretty good spot. Obviously uh, Brooke, you know, he's, he's figure he's got another year or whatever. See what goes from there. Bobby Pat's, um, Trying to think, do we have anybody else signed for next season? I, besides, like anybody with cap holds, I'm trying to think off the I top. I guess of my head. technically, I, is Sandro one uh, of them? Sandro is on a two year one, two year two two way deal. I think so. I mean, but still, so you have the core of your main playoff rotation already in place. Uh, you're going to go through free agency. You're going to have draft things like that. It's not a lost cause whatsoever. I do not anticipate at all seeing like a massive drop off in where the teams goes here and. In after the uh, bubble experience, the key issue facing the team at that point was one of your big three was just unplayable, essentially unplayable. We don't have that issue anymore. And if you have the top end talent already kind of sorted out, that gives you a little more space to figure out what comes after that. Now it's going to be more of a crapshoot a little bit because, you know, veteran stars are more reliable than like veteran journeymen necessarily or guys who are trying to recoup value. But don't let the way the season end disappointing as it is. Uh, distract from the fact that there's all the tools are still in place um, for them to be pretty much right back here again next year. And fingers crossed, health permitting, everything will maybe go a little bit better our direction uh, next time around. The other thing that struck me as the season end was ended. I mean, if if I was kind of tired of basketball, I can only imagine how exhausted this team was. And that's kind of what I thought in game seven, the last two quarters felt like was, the team just looked tired. You could see, I mean, you could see it, you know, symbolically when Giannis went and sat on the bench, just laid his head back. I'm sure he was disappointed, but they looked tired. I mean, that's a lot of basketball to play with very little time off from last season to the next season. Yeah. And I mean, and it's, it is one of those, like, if you really think about it, yeah, you had the bubble, which then caused that season. The buck season was done basically September, October. You get a couple months rest. You start back up in December. You play until July. And for guys like Jordan Wara and Drew and Chris, you have the Olympics. So your offseason was even shorter. You had, what, two full months of an offseason? Not even two full months. And then you're back in training camp. And you have this season. Like, yeah, I'm sure they were tired. I'm sure it was getting to the point where it's like, for the past more or less year and a half, almost two years, it's pretty much been basketball nonstop with little of a break. And granted, they got that break in 2020 because they were good. They were so good and they made it to the bubble and they made it. And they had such a late season last year because they made the deep run and won the championship. So yes, it is one of those where it held, but yeah, it, I think there was just so much basketball for all these guys. And, you know, you also have Giannis accounting for the fact that he's all over the place and doing all these things because he's a superstar. You know, you had Bobby going on a tour, the, having a tour of the Arkansas and Wisconsin, you know, you, like I'm sure those guys were exhausted. Like it, it got to the point where it was like, all right, we're, we're kind of just done. 
Did, what about uh, highlights from this last year? Do you guys have any highlights from this past season that you'd like to remember? Oh, absolutely clowning the Nets and Sixers when they had the opportunity. That that was always going to be one of those where it was funny. It was great. It was hilarious. Just between embarrassing James Harden, they would go in and they beat the Sixers most of the time. That was pretty cool. Uh, the Christmas comeback against the Celtics, that was pretty fun. Yeah, I mean, there were definitely good moments. It was like when I look back, it was a season of I was so I was so on cloud nine that nothing within the season really mattered that much because the Bucks had won that championship that everything after that was just, yeah, they lose. OK, that's frustrating. Oh, well, but this team is like I know this team can then turn it around. So it kind of made me less caring about the regular season because I was a on cloud nine. But B, I also had the confidence of, OK, just get to the playoffs and you can win this whole thing again. So uh, that was kind of nice. Not having as much of a pressure where a regular season loss and we had to do all these think pieces, had to sit there and be like, are the Bucks ever going to win a championship? Like this, this game shows why they can never win a championship. I liked the, about the first half of the season where Giannis seemed to have shown his growth as a player, that it was going to be sustainable from the finals performance. He took on, more responsibility than ever on defense as the primary center for the most part. He picked up a lot of the playmaking. Like his assist percentage was out of this world through the first month or two of the season with Chris and Drew out. Uh, and the record wasn't perfect, but it was pretty good, all things considered. So I, I liked that part of it. Uh, it. You know, I think he kind of ran out of steam as well once the season kind of went down and it's understandable. Uh, beating the hell out of the Bulls, always fun. I thought that was really good. Uh, clowning them, that was good. And also uh, game one uh, uh, against the Celtics because we had seen a couple of times throughout the season glimpses of what the defense could still do. Now it was a little off kilter because Brooke was gone for most of the year. Um, but he, you know, we come back, We this everybody's talking about the Celtics, like, mm-hmm. oh, they're the next big thing. They're going to sweep the Bucs. What are the Bucs going to do? And they went out there and they pantsed them. And that was really good. And then, uh, also, you know, same thing, game five. Like, go in there, steal it on the road. Like, you know, everything was like, seemed to be lining up against pretty much all odds. So I think the fact that they they made it a series, it, it'll look better uh, with the passage of time. But even in the moment, you can still appreciate the greatness that was on display for those, you know, for pretty much the entirety of game one. And then especially in the fourth quarter of game five, I thought that was, you know, that's what basketball is all about is moments like that. So game five was glorious. The, the end of game five, that whole fourth quarter was a fantastic moment because it was one of those where it's like, are they going to come back? Okay. Like, all right, cool. They got it. They're getting closer. All right. Okay. They've got back into this. Cool. And then the last two plays that drew made, it was just one of those cackling jump with joy. Like, holy crap kind of moments so that was enjoyable as well and grace and alan just clouding chicago god that was good yeah adam how about you any any memorable moments how about some west coast road trips that you had to do full extended recaps for were those you know, now those were now kudos to mitchell mitchell now on the west coast is is <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah my, I forgot about that. my favorite person who took most of those but the Lakers game, Lakers sucked, but there was that Lakers game midseason where the Bucks absolutely destroyed them and looked like world beaters offensively. Like, I don't think they looked that good offensively for the rest of the season. Part of it was, I'm sure, the Lakers defense as well. But that was fun. 
it, it's hard. The season kind, the season all kind of blended together, and I, like Kyle said, I didn't have to really worry about it all year. I was kind of just looking forward to the to the playoffs. It was kind of interesting to watch. I don't know to see some of the new new pieces come in or how they were responding. It was nice to see Bobby respond so well to being in the starting lineup after his kind of his arc has always been been pretty good and it's been nice to see him emerge as you know a core part of this team seemingly so that was fun and then yeah game five you know that's the kind of stuff that you watch all season long for is the chance to have that crazy improbable comeback happen lose your mind message all your friends you know i hopped on facetime with a couple buddies like right after that and all of us were just slack-jawed like shouting you know, it, it, that that's the kind of stuff that you watch all season for. And so it was pretty awesome to get another one of those moments, even in a season that ended up shorter than we really wanted it to be. There's also one other big thing about the season that I will be appreciative of. I don't have to sit here worry if one of my best players is the reason why our team's so bad. Not calling any teams out East. I'm just saying if one of your guys is looking a little washed and probably is in a strip club as we speak... I, I would rather be in the Bucks position where it's like, okay, at least I know if, our, if we have our three best players healthy, they would win. As opposed to, we got to get rid of arguably our second best player because he is not good. And maybe our best player is a key factor why we can't win either. In a similar vein, but slightly less petty than that, uh, Giannis continuing in the playoffs to reestablish himself or cement himself as the far and away best player in the league, at least in the eyes of most people. Jokic is... Obviously, he had a weird situation, and I don't take too much schadenfreude, but anything that fairly or otherwise diminishes his case as the best player because <laughs> people are ready to come for him, it's just that's all good for me. And obviously, uh, Joel Embiid, another uh, through line in losing Philadelphia, but that's a discussion for another day. So I'm glad that Giannis stepped to the, up to the plate when people were watching, and even though he didn't bring it home, he tried his best, and he had a couple of signature moments too. No one could look at that series and say Giannis needed to do more, which yeah. I think is good because I don't think we could. I would not appreciate that discourse. No, we didn't need that. I think that's the biggest thing is I just didn't feel really any pressure or stress or feeling like I had to wring my hands together after anything. We saw the team win a championship. That's going to buy them a lot of equity with me for God, I mean, I, I think I said maybe 50. I've said 50 years before. Like, I, I might be fine for the rest of my life because they won that championship. So we'll see. Eventually, I'm sure I'll get greedy. But it was just nice to have that in the background, knowing we have one. No matter what happens, we'll always have that one. They can't take it away. And it was the, the topper, you know, the the sprinkles on top was that Giannis really went out the way that he did with the, with a fantastic performance. So. Uh, all right. Any, uh, I don't know, anything else you guys wanted to touch on closing thoughts as we, you know, end this season. Um, just take the break that you need. I know as Adam mentioned, it was kind of a relief. I feel the same way. There was a lot of basketball in the last basically calendar year. I think we can all use a break. I think we can all have a decent off season. No one, Bud is not getting fired, so get that imagery out of your head. He's not getting fired, all right? So let's get that out of the way. But otherwise, it was, yeah, it was a good season. I mean, unfortunately, they didn't win a championship, but, you know, it's not, 
it wasn't, you know, other than the three, it, it was kind of one of those where you can kind of simply say they didn't hit shots. And I think I'm a little bit more at peace with that kind of fact of they didn't hit shots. And that's pretty much the main difference as opposed to like in 2019, where I was like, I could not sit here and figure out how they lost that series or even the bubble where I was like, I cannot figure out how things fell apart this badly. And the bubble doesn't count because it was a fraud championship, but. I will always remember the Rodney Hood game noon against the Knicks. <laughs> oh my God. In the garden. <laughs> in, the, in the garden with three people watching. <laughs> and I will always remember, as Adam said, that Shemmy Ojale was one of the worst basketball players I've ever witnessed in my entire life. And uh, unfortunately for John Horst, those are the guys we went in for. And they turned out to be pretty much as low, <laughs> as low, uh, low an outcome as any, I think even worse than any of us could have imagined. And that's sometimes hard to believe because the Bucks magic with free agents generally does not exist outside of like essentially Pat and Bobby. So uh, <laughs> go back to the drawing board horse. I have hope that we had the bubble season, good off season, bad off season, good off season. I'm hoping he continues this on again, off again streak heading forward. Well, I he's will got, also yeah. remember saying, yes, I will go to a Bucks game for free tickets and the 100 level <laughs> to find out all the best players were not playing and get treated to Robert Covington having the greatest game of his life. The drinks oh. were flowing and the tickets were free, but <laughs> I, I, that, that was kind of the nice part of that season as well. Well, we have a we horse should have his biannual exception this offseason, which he's struck gold with two times in a row, Brooke Lopez and then Bobby Portis. So he, he seems to have good luck with that. Serge Ibaka, salute to you. You forced me to spend a weekly Wednesday wrap up breaking down your game, and I'm mad at you for that. <laughs> but you know, sometimes those those are the breaks. This offseason is is massive. John Luer comes off the books. Uh, Larry Sanders, Sanders, Larry Sanders, Larry Sanders. <laughs> we will podcast that day. It'll just yes. be a 30 second podcast of us cracking <laughs> alcoholic beverages. And that'll be <laughs> the podcast. Um, they have a, you know, they have a decision to make on Jordan Wara this off season. I was, I, I was That's an easy one, easy decision <laughs> on that one. <laughs> so uh, that'll be, that'll be a treat to watch. Well, Anyway, Bucks season is done. I think we're all in a much better place than we have been in past Bucks off seasons that end. Uh, Bucks seasons that end. So, thank you to everyone who listened to us all year long. I, I, I like the weekly format. I think it works well for all of us and our schedule. It gives us a lot of meat to talk about without having to break down the games too much. So, we'll be back in the off season much more sporadically. But you'll still hear from us. So, until then, go to brewhoop.com for all our usual coverage. Follow along on Twitter, and uh, we will talk to you again soon. 